0: KYW Original Podcasts.
1: For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic in Philadelphia, subscribe to KYW In Depth on the radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: The Coronavirus Pandemic from KYW In Depth.
1: I'm Charlotte Reese. Pennsylvania Health Secretary Dr. Rachel Levine answered an interesting question this week at the daily coronavirus press briefing. Do you see a role for phone apps and tracking with technology as a key part to moving out of this crisis? Yes, and I think that,
0: that different type of phone apps and technology will be useful useful to be able to track. For instance, there are smart thermometers that can track people's temperatures, and there's other ways to track whether someone has symptoms or doesn't have symptoms. So we're starting to look at that technology now. And I think that that will be helpful as we start to open up Pennsylvania, but continuing to track any potential outbreaks of the dangerous virus COVID-19.
1: Using smartphones to track the virus has gotten some high profile attention lately. Already, Apple and Google are working on tracing software. So how exactly does that work? And what kind of impact could it have on stopping the spread of COVID-19? I asked Dr. Carl Morris. He's an associate professor of computer science at Temple University. If you're not in the tech world, you know, this sounds a little bit like Um, sci-fi. How does a smartphone trace a virus?
0: Well, the smartphone itself, I wouldn't say is tracing the virus. Rather, the smartphone, along with uh, the associated cloud service, would simply trace who you have been in close contact with. The onus would still be on the particular individual that may at some point in the future be diagnosed with COVID-19 to essentially report through whichever application is is doing the contact tracing that they did receive this diagnosis. Uh, Subsequently, The cloud service, the cloud-based service would push information about this diagnosis to other users of a particular app. And those applications would be able to determine if they had come in close contact with the person that received this diagnosis over, let's say, the past week or two weeks. Uh, So that's essentially what contact tracing is. It's really just keeping track of who you have been in close contact with over a period of time.
1: Okay. This app idea, this smartphone idea, it's got a lot of high-profile attention with Apple and Google saying that they're going to collaborate for this. What do you think they're working on right now? What kind of work needs to be done to get this into production?
0: In addition to simply collaborating, when you look at uh, iPhones and Android devices you are talking about, uh, 90-something percent of the smartphone market. So in order for contact tracing to work, you really do need these, these large companies to collaborate. It doesn't help if contact tracing was only limited to iPhone devices or to Android devices. In terms of how the technology would work and what these companies really have to do on the back end, it's important to realize that, in a sense, the infrastructure and the software and the technology to do contact tracing already exists. It does already reside on your phone. When you when you uh, realize that most of our smartphones we are signed in, so they have our contact information, they have our identity, and then many of these companies are keeping track of location information. So there is already enough information, and enough data to perform some rudimentary sort of contact tracing. However, these, these the technology as it exists today would not respect user privacy in a way that would make most users comfortable. So what these companies are actually doing right now is building out the framework that can perform contact tracing, but while uh, maintaining user privacy and providing anonymity. So basically, we, we, they want to have a system where users opt in, or they choose to participate and share their diagnoses, or to ha- or to keep track of users that they've come in contact with, or that have come in contact with them. So essentially, what needs to happen now is building out uh, the technology solution that can uh, maintain user privacy, allow for uh, anonymity, but still be able to keep track of who a particular person may have come in contact with.
1: And you kind of mentioned this um, at the beginning of your answer, how everybody doesn't have an Android or an iPhone, but it, it, some people don't even have a smartphone. A lot of homes, you know, in Philadelphia don't even have the internet. Uh, would something like this work uh, in the U.S. right now?
0: It it, it, it would. Uh, it, it does depend heavily on... on Uh, users having access to the technology. In some ways, it it doesn't work if a particular individual does not have a smartphone. It would essentially mean that if that person doesn't have a smartphone and they are diagnosed, the best that we could hope for is that anybody who they communicate with that may have a smartphone, uh, if they know that they've been in close contact, then that particular user uh, could then go out and seek, uh, try to get tested, and if they then themselves are are, are diagnosed with COVID nineteen, then they could uh, enter their information. But no, it, it really doesn't work, or you can't participate—not to the fullest extent. Rather, if you do not have a smartphone,
1: so the ultimate goal of this is right to flatten the curve and prevent somebody from getting sick. Just what is the most effective way in order for this to happen?
0: Well, that's a question that is probably better posed to a, a, an epidemiologist or some other infectious disease specialist. However, I think a big part of being able to flatten the curve is knowing when you, as an individual, might be exposed, even if you are asymptomatic. If you know when you may, when you should. If you can be sort of motivated to seek out testing because data suggests that you are exposed, then it means that you are better able to quarantine. You're better able to start uh, monitoring your symptoms or know when you should seek uh, medical intervention versus as it is right now where an asymptomatic person may even though we are practicing social distancing, the, the, the reality is people do go out to supermarkets. They still interact with, with friends or family. Um, so a technology like this, contact tracing, helps flattening the curve because it gives you a early warning, certainly when you would want to perhaps get tested, even if you are not yet showing symptoms.
1: You said that, you know, if if somebody doesn't have a smartphone, then they're going to have to rely on other people who have it. So would 100 percent of Americans need this in order for it to truly work?
0: Not necessarily. Uh, I, I'm sure there is a critical mass where the, we as a society would 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 derive some benefit. So I don't think it would have, it would necessarily need to be 100 percent just enough that we can start to essentially limit the spread. Um, But yes, so the issue is also not just having, even if we had 100% of people with smartphones, it still would require those people to opt in because persons would still have privacy concerns. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, the technology exists now to do contact tracing because uh, Apple and Google are able to access location information and they can associate that, and do us associate that with our identity. The issue here is user privacy. So they're developing a new framework that is dependent, instead of on GPS, it's dependent on Bluetooth, where uh, location information would not be required. And instead, it would simply rely on your device, uh, broadcasting or advertising, some sort of identifying information that does not actually tie back to you as an individual and other devices doing the same thing. And then essentially devices broadcasting and keeping track of all the devices that it came in contact with. But if persons decide not to opt into that, then it really doesn't matter if you have a smartphone or not, you are essentially silent and contact tracing uh, fails. So you do need a critical mass. You do need a certain amount of people using the technology and, or having smartphones and then opting into the service. But uh, it would not need to be realistically 100 percent. No.
1: And then even if this did roll out, could people manipulate or lie to contact tracing or if an app was created to do something like this?
0: in the in the iteration that uh, the companies are are scheduled to release yes that's a possibility as as i mentioned it does require user consent and user reporting so i upon realizing or upon receiving a diagnose a positive diagnosis of covid-19 would essentially uh, enter that information into the app If I have malicious intent, uh, nothing is preventing me from just saying that I've contacted, I've contracted COVID-19. And that would essentially put misinformation out there. uh, And essentially all the people that I've come in contact with, they wouldn't know it's me, but their devices would tell them, hey, you came in contact with someone that has been diagnosed and then they would seek testing. Now, you know, we're not saying that someone seeking testing is a bad thing. But if if access to testing is still uh, limited, then we wouldn't want persons uh, overwhelming the available resources unnecessarily. So, as it stands, uh, yes, someone someone could uh, misreport uh, diagnoses uh, for whatever 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 malicious intent they may have.
1: I've read about some other countries who are doing. Similar things, um, different things with technologies. Um, how has it worked overseas in other countries?
0: Well, a lot of, the, the, there are a few jurisdictions that have uh, employed this. I think perhaps uh, China being the most uh, noted example. Uh, and in, in those jurisdictions, they actually, by all indications and in the data coming out, they have had some measure of success. Uh, but a lot of that has to do with the various privacy laws and just, you know, the, the, the culture of these, of these areas where persons may be more willing to allow uh, granular access, not just to, to information like their location, but also their identity. Uh, the European Union is looking to implement something similar, but they have much more stringent privacy laws. So it means they have to take a different approach. And it's the same thing here. Uh, persons may be a little more aware uh, uh, or or uh, protective of their identity or their information uh, being shared. So that's why we have uh, Apple and Google looking to create this anonymous system where I'm able to share the fact that I was diagnosed without it being associated with me and my personal identity. So, it, Privacy is, is is the biggest uh, – I don't want to use the term – stumbling block, but it, it motivates or it, it complicates matters because you have to come up with these systems that are effective but still uh, respect user privacy, whereas in other jurisdictions, perhaps uh, that is not as big a concern as it is here.
1: Right. There's a lot of criticism about this from, as you said, privacy advocates – uh, what are the real pros and cons of an app like this being rolled out in America? It, it's
0: it's very easy to take the slippery slope argument, which is even if this app does exactly what it says it's going to do and it does it well, once you've sort of demonstrated what can be done with contact tracing, it doesn't, it, it, it's not hard to imagine that whether it's The technology companies themselves—that sort of—try to make try try to decide how else they can use this information or jurisdiction. So uh, municipalities, or states, or the federal government, uh, perhaps creating laws that mandates access. So on on one side, privacy advocates have that concern. um, But another uh, more immediate concern is: what if this isn't done properly? What if it's not done well? So. What are the various attack vectors that might exist? What type of data leakage that might be taking place, allowing persons to 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 keep track of persons of, of individuals um, through this contact tr- tracing infrastructure? So there's the question of a: Will it be done well? Will it be executed properly? And then the the, the next issue is perhaps down the road is: Can this? technology can this framework uh, uh, be exploited by persons in power um, to do nefarious things or to 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 access information that perhaps an individual may not want to provide access to
1: uh, professor is there anything else um, that you would like to add about uh, what's being talked about right now in terms of contact tracing and uh, the coronavirus pandemic
0: I think it it, it it behooves the individuals to always be mindful of sort of what information is being shared. Um, you know, we're in a time where everyone, certainly the majority of us have smartphones and our identity, our location, and a lot of other information is already constantly being shared, uh, with, with third parties, with, in some instances, uh, government entities and, we should all be mindful of the information that we are sharing and be careful, as careful as we are now with uh, sharing our, our information in this contact tracing use case. So I do think that individuals, as we utilize technology, it can be useful, it can help, but we, all, we must also be mindful of just the type of information that we're putting out there and, and take our privacy a little more seriously.
1: Thank you so much for your time today and joining me for the podcast.
0: Uh, It's my pleasure.
1: That's it for this episode of KYW In-Depth Coronavirus. For more stories about the coronavirus pandemic here in the Philadelphia area or how it's affecting you, subscribe to the KYW In-Depth podcast. Search for KYW In-Depth on the Radio.com app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Charlotte Reese, and we'll have another episode out soon.